This is the Hour of Doom! And Bloom! That's right, friends and neighbors. Welcome to Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Podcast, a paragon of power in a perditious world. I'm Joel Nindy, also known as Dr. Bones of the award-winning survival website, doomandbloom.net. And a sharp-dressed man, if I do say so myself, you know what they say... Every girl crazy about a sharp-dressed man. That's true. I am. I'm very crazy about you. Oh, well, thank you. I'm Amy Alton, also known as Nurse Amy. I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. And purveyor of quality medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net. Thank you. On this show, you're going to get the conventional medical wisdom, if by conventional medical wisdom you mean unconventional medical wisdom, and random ravings from an old geezer. (laughs) Now, who would that be? Because I don't see any in this room. Hey, just look to your left. No. (laughs) Whatever. But listen, whatever it takes to get your family medically prepared for times of trouble, we are there. And those times of trouble, they are coming, have no doubt. But to access our many pearls of wisdom, you're going to have to listen to this first. Absolutely. All information and opinions voiced on the Survival Medicine Podcast are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. We strongly urge our audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. Or don't. Why worry? Things are great, right? No. It's not like there's a war going on or anything. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But what happens in a disaster when the hospitals are out of commission and there's nowhere else to turn? Who is going to deal with illness and injury? Don't look at me. I'm just here for the beer. It's you. So you better get off your duff, get some supplies, learn some stuff. Absolutely. Hey, Amy, do you have any idea where someone can get some supplies? Uh, Yes, actually, it's store.doomandbloom.net. There you go. Hand-packed. And we do not make your kit until you order it. It is not sitting on a shelf, gathering dust, hoping that somebody would buy it. Fresh. Which, that's right. Just I pull like... everything. I order small quantities. So your expiration dates, which, of course, we're all worried about. If we can't get this stuff anymore, is the longest expiration dates possible. And we make your kit, and we send it freshly packed to you. There Sounds you like go. produce. Sounds great. Sounds like, like carrots. And... Like the hen, <laughs> hen just laid it. Yes. <laughs> Hey, before we get going, I just want to mention that the new fourth edition, greatly expanded of the Survival Medicine Handbook, has stayed high on Amazon book rankings, much higher than we ever expected, that's for sure. Yes. If you haven't heard about our greatly expanded new book, check it out on Amazon or at store.doomandbloom.net, where we actually have color copies available for people who want them. You know, we get a lot of questions about thyroid problems and what people who are on thyroid meds can do if we're knocked off the grid long term due to some disaster. Well, more than 20 million Americans experience some form of hormonal dysfunction related to the thyroid gland. So you can bet that you, off-grid medic, will eventually come across somebody that has it. You're going to have to know how to recognize these conditions and improve them, if at all possible. Now, for those who aren't anatomy professors, the thyroid gland is a small organ. Uh, It's uh, shaped like a butterfly, actually, located in the front of the neck just below the Adam's apple. It's found at the level of the windpipe, also known as the trachea. Now, can you feel it? Yes, you can, with a little practice. To find it, what you want to do is apply a thumb and forefinger lightly to the neck area, or use two hands from behind if you're checking somebody else's thyroid, and swallow or ask the patient to swallow. The thyroid gland moves noticeably up and down when you do that. Absolutely. That's right. So when you say, when you first said swallow, you meant if you're checking yourself, then you swallow. If you're checking someone else, you ask them to swallow. You ask them to swallow. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Right. So if you're holding somebody's 
thyroid, and you swallow, probably not nothing help. will happen. Not going to help yes, anything. Nothing's going to happen. I just want to clarify that. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. That's <laughs> no, what you're here for. No worries. The thyroid gland produces hormones that act as chemical messengers to help regulate your metabolism. They control other vital functions in your body as well. Matter of fact, it maintains a balance between itself and two other very important organs, the pituitary gland and the hypothalamus, both found near the base of the brain. When this balance is disturbed, we experience thyroid dysfunction. Usually this involves a production of either too little hormone, we call that hypothyroidism, or too much hormone, we call that hyperthyroidism. And these malfunctions may occur in anybody. They're more more commonly actually seen in women, though. Sadly. That's right. Lucky us. (laughs) Let's start with hyperthyroidism, the excessive production of thyroid hormone. Onset of this condition usually occurs between 20 and 50 years of age, but the disease is often not recognized right away. It's not diagnosed usually until the patient turns about 60, which I thought was sort of interesting. I thought it, it would be something you can identify much Quite earlier. obvious, or, right. Or winds up getting identified much earlier. Yeah, it's, it's sort of hidden. In normal times, determination of thyroid malfunction depends on certain blood tests and sometimes a scan of the actual gland. Now, of course... You, off-grid medic, are not going to have this kind of stuff in a collapse, so it's important to learn what a person with elevated thyroid levels looks like. This is not going to happen the day after their thyroid levels elevate, but over the course of time. Right. Some common signs and symptoms of this condition in adults are, and this is, there are a bunch of them actually, insomnia is something you see. Which, who doesn't have that over right. the age of 50? Nervous, we all have right, insomnia. Right. Nervousness, hand tremors. Right. Now, see, that's the thing. You're you're sort of agitated. Started to move that's a lot. That's right, right, right. You feel excessively hot in normal or even cold temperatures. Uh, some people have this weird physical sign in which their eyes bulge out and seem to be staring all the time. You know who I think has that? Who? Is the mayor of Chicago. Oh, that her name is Lori Lightfoot. Lightfoot. Oh, yeah. Well, if you look at her face, she might. her eyes are kind of... Yeah, bulging you're out. too much of the white. Yeah, and they look like they're popping out a little bit. Yeah, I bet you she has this. She's a little scary looking. That's true. <laughs> I wouldn't want somebody staring she's, at me. She's a little scary looking, but I'm just saying her eyes have that classic look of yes. hyperthyroidism. Now, of course, we mean that in the nicest possible way, <laughs> right? No, she just scares you when you have nightmares. That's what you meant. <laughs> so other things that make your sort of body seem your seem to make your body speed up. Those kinds of signs, you'll see frequent bowel movements are much more frequent than normal. You would lose weight despite normal or increased appetite. You have you know, that ex- sounds sweat, great. excessively I, I sweat. I have to tell you that losing weight despite eating a lot of food sounds fantastic. Just awesome? Just, well, I mean, just for there are like a lot a of circumstances months, which it ain't so great. <laughs> I'm just saying for a few months without something fatal, I'm just saying that this, you know, a lot of us would check that box for a little while <laughs> you mentioned eating everything you want and then losing weight i don't know i w- i could dig that for about six months all right well i couldn't i like you just the way you are oh gosh now let's see uh, if you're a woman you might lose your menstrual periods you may have no menstrual period at all um if you're a kid it may affect your growth or change your puberty uh either the time it starts mm-hmm. or how it presents itself some people in the elderly age group Mm -hmm. may wind up having muscle weakness chest pain shortness of breath things like that now if you have very poorly controlled hyperthyroidism that can lead to a condition known as thyroid storm in which very high levels of hormone cause major effects on the heart and the brain and what you might see is all of the symptoms that i mentioned already plus on top of that an elevated heart rate you might have fever 
blood pressure irregularities, things that might endanger your life. Now, treatment of hyperthyroidism involves medications such as propylthyrouracil and methimazole, which block hormone production. Now, you're not going to have this kind of stuff, but if you have members of your group that are on this stuff, mm -hmm. you should try to make sure that they stockpile these medications, if at all possible. Ask their doctor to give them an extra prescription, to see what they can do to maybe go a little early every month. Well, that's the whole point. I was just going to say, your insurance will actually refill your prescription several days before you're out of pills because they don't expect you to take your last pill and then come in five minutes later to get your next set. So there's a time period that you can go early. Some of them are seven days. Some of them are 10 days. Ask the pharmacist, when you pick up your prescription, when can I come back for a refill? Tell them, if you want to say something, just tell them you're going to go on vacation and you need to come in early. What's the earliest time? And then always do that. If they say, oh, 10 days before it's, it's due or 20 days from today, then you always go 20 days after you fill that prescription. After a while, you're going to have a buildup of extra medicines. Take the older ones first. Save the newer ones. The newer ones are going to be the freshest. And just... It's like rotating your food supply. You eat the oldest first. And then before you know it, you may you have a about, few bottles of extra about, medicine. You're talking about the children? What? Eating, no, eating the oldest first? No. I'm talking about <laughs> eating, eating, taking the oldest tablets, capsules, whatever. Oh, whatever see. medicine. This is not just for thyroid medicine. This is a right. technique for stockpiling right. anything that's a prescription. I would say just tell the pharmacist that Dr. Bone sent you. Oh, and then, yeah, that'll work. And then you'll see the nice men in the pretty white coats, and they'll come and take you away. Escort you, right? Yeah, to, to the farm. <laughs> to the farm. Yes, where all the puppies go, or the old dogs go, yeah, right. the puppies, hopefully. Now, interestingly enough, we've been talking about radiation mm -hmm. uh, in our articles and on our podcast yes. recently. And substances such as radioiodine, or I-131, that actually has been used to destroy an overactive thyroid. If your thyroid is way overactive mm -hmm. and you've got real problems because of it, they'll try to destroy it. And as you can imagine, destroying your thyroid produces, well, a thyroid with no hormone whatsoever. And that's called hypothyroidism. So you actually go from being hyperthyroid to being hypothyroidism. Yep. Uh, hypothyroid, rather. So what can I tell you? It's None of this stuff is likely to be part of your medical arsenal in times of trouble. So what you have to do is maybe consider other things, lifestyle and dietary changes. It obviously won't be as strong, but maybe it would have some kind of effect. Uh, dietary restriction of things like nicotine, caffeine, alcohol, other substances like that, things that alter metabolism, that might help control high thyroid levels. Vitamin C, B12, they're supposed to have a beneficial effect. Uh, L-carnitine is supposed to help uh, the lower thyroid hormone levels without damaging the gland. Okay. Foods that are thought to help depress production of thyroid hormone include cabbages, cauliflower, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, spinach, stuff like that. Spinach. Spinach, that's right. In addition, foods high in antioxidants always thought to reduce free radicals that might be involved in hyperthyroidism. These include blueberries, cherries, tomatoes, squash, bell peppers, things like that. Now let's talk about hypothyroidism. Hypothyroidism is a failure to produce enough thyroid hormone. It's much more common than hyperthyroidism, and there are various causes, as such as lack of dietary iodine, effects of certain drugs, high exposure to radiation, things that we've talked about before. 
In some cases, the immune system misfires and targets the thyroid as an autoimmune reaction. So you see that. Now, the most commonly seen signs and symptoms of hypothyroidism in adults are the opposite of those seen in hyperthyroidism. So think about what we talked about before. You see nervousness in people that are hyperthyroid. You see fatigue in people that are hypothyroid. Makes sense. People that are intolerant to hot heat when they're hyperthyroid are intolerant to cold when they're hypothyroid. So they're always cold instead of being always hot. They, instead of having diarrhea or frequent bowel movements, they have constipation. Instead of eating a lot, they have poor appetite. And they'll gain weight, unlike people that are hyperthyroid. They may have dry skin, hair loss, hoarseness. They may have depression. They may also have, like hyperthyroid people, they may have menstrual irregularities. And if they're kids, they may not grow well. Now, if you ignore this, this sort of eventually gets worse and worse in which you wind up having your skin very thick. It was been dry for a long time. Now it's going to be thickened. Uh, you lose a lot of hair. You change uh, in your voice. You become hoarse. Hoarse, hoarse, hoarse. Horsey. That's right. And uh, you may have some swelling of your feet, your face, your hands. So you actually have a different appearance than before you became hypothyroid. So... Oh, by the way, hypothyroidism in pregnancy can cause defects in the baby. So that is something that is a concern. Mm -hmm. Now, treatment, treating hypothyroidism, that's based on the oral replacement of the missing hormone, which is called thyroxine. Now, drugs that do this come in a variety of dosages, and it's important to determine the right amount to give. For that, a, a physician evaluates and tests your thyroid while modern medical care is still available. So you should get that tested. If you're concerned about your thyroid, if your thyroid is low, then what they do is they try you on some uh, synthetic thyroxine. Uh, and the lowest dose that will maintain th normal thyroid levels is what you'll be given. Too much of it will cause, surprise, surprise, hyperthyroidism. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a balancing act. It's it's actually very difficult for a lot of people to find their perfect level. Yes, it's true. And they takes, go up by tiny little bits. Sometimes and, it takes a couple yeah. of years yes, to it's figure true. out exactly what makes them work without being too much or too little. You're absolutely right. Now, once you've determined the right dosage, you might consider, in normal times, asking a physician for additional supplies of thyro uh, synthetic thyroid or perhaps a prescription for a higher dose, maybe something that would allow you to, you say, use half of the pill in the present, stockpile the other half for the uncertain future. Of course, only know this, only do this if you intend to follow your physician's advice as to what the actual proper dose is. Right. And I've got to tell you that there are a lot of physicians that will not do this. Now, don't be surprised if they say, forget it. Right. Then just go early to your pharmacy. There you go. Um, besides standard thyroid medications such as levothyroxine, uh, known as Synthroid or Levothyroid, those are some brand names. There are a number of other natural remedies that may have a beneficial effect on hypothyroidism. There are a number of thyroid extracts, such as thyrovans, uh, that consist of desiccated, powdered pig and cow thyroid gland. Let me just spell that. T-H-Y-R-O-V-A-N-Z. Thyrovans. This is sold in the United States, but it comes from somewhere else. I forget. It might come from New Zealand. So yeah, so it was I, New Zealand or Australia. Yeah, someplace like those. that. The amount of thyroid extract, however, 
in these products may be variable. Therefore, as you can imagine, the medical establishment recommends against their use. In the absence of modern medications, however, they're certainly better than nothing. Now, one strategy that could help you decide what natural product may be right for you is to ask your physician to monitor your thyroid levels for several weeks while you try this particular item out. If your thyroid levels drop like a stone, well, you know what? The supplement is likely ineffective and you should research other options. If your thyroid levels remain about normal on the alternative, well, continue monitoring long-term to determine whether the product might be a worthwhile thing to stockpile for the uncertain future. Now, from a dietary standpoint, you should avoid foods that depress thyroid functions. Now, these include cauliflower. You should avoid these foods now. Cauliflower, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, spinach, and cabbage. Uh, there are a number of natural supplement brands, such as Prothroid, that, that are commercially available. There are combinations of various herbs that are touted as beneficial for both low and high thyroid conditions. Selenium and B12 supplementation, that may also help. You just got to be aware that your experience may vary, that Absolutely. these things are not proven to work. But indeed, some people swear by them. So. I am reading reviews of, for Thyrovance. It's been a while since I've I've been on their website. We did get um, some samples. Yes, we have some. But I don't need to take it, so I don't know personally <laughs> if it works. If I get low thyroid, which who knows, I could have it. Um, I will try it. Okay. And I will let everyone know. But I w will say that the reviews look decent. I mean, of course, they could all be fake. Who knows with websites? But. Um, Looks like people are having some good results. So maybe it's something to get a hold of. Well, sounds Just good in me. case. All right. Well, we're going to have now a word from our sponsor. Portions of this show are sponsored by a plastic bag. Plastic bags are versatile. Put your ham sandwich in it, your favorite recreational drugs, or put one over your head and see the world in an entirely different way. Paint it red, slap a biohazard sticker on it, and use it to store your leftover shipment of Pentagon anthrax. Plastic bags, available in the trillions at trash dumps everywhere. Okay, so I recommend highly that everybody should have plastic bags. <laughs> You're insane. What do you think? That's crazy. <laughs> Although they are very handy. And they I don't are. know what I would do on a daily basis without plastic bags. And the trash cool? bags, um, Ziploc bags. Right, right. And Bags if, for shipping. And all you have to do is really go through, root through any dumpster, and you'll probably find lots of plastic bags. <laughs> I don't want those, though. <laughs> I don't, if I don't have to. <laughs> all right. Hey, here's a segment of our show where I take questions posed to me in the past, often on our friend Jack Spierko's Survival Podcast. Now, if you guys out there have questions you'd like to hear me address on the podcast, send us an email at drbonespodcast at aol.com. Okay, here we go. Hi, Jordan MD here, also known as Dr. Bones of the survival medicine website, doomandbloom.net, where you'll find over 1,200 articles, podcasts, and videos on medical preparedness, plus the co-author of the fourth edition, fourth edition of the Survival Medicine Handbook and designer of an entire line of medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net. Today's question for the expert counsel comes from Bob, who writes, what are good ways to get out of the constant alcohol cycle? My name is Bob. Had a very close death in the family and over a few years spiraled down. Now it's heavy vodka every night, sometimes Irish coffee in the morning. While very functional, this cannot go on for much longer. My first thought was switch to beer, but after so long, it doesn't do anything. And inevitably, I switch back to the vodka. Not sure it's safe to quit cold turkey, but when I tried, I don't know what to do with myself. 
I watch a ton of garbage TV, read books, mind keeps racing, can't sleep. I know benzos are a help, but very dangerous. I'm sure a lot of homesteader listeners can relate and slip into this state. People think it's so easy. Yeah, just stop drinking. If you could recommend a strategy or even some supplements to break this cycle, I will be forever in your debt. Bob, your problem is complicated and rarely something you can get through all by yourself. You're going to need help. And going cold turkey, honestly, is not only nearly impossible in your situation, but could also be dangerous. Still, continuing to drink is even more dangerous in the long run, and you've got to take control of your life and stop drinking completely. There are medicines that, under your doctor's supervision, can help what's called alcohol use disorder, or AUD. A camprosate, campral, disulfiram, antabuse, and naltrexone, Vivitrol. These are prescription medications that are used to help you stop drinking or sustain an abstinent lifestyle. Vivitrol combats cravings while blocking the receptors in the brain that are activated by alcohol to stimulate feelings of pleasure associated with drinking. Disulfiram, or antabuse, creates an adverse reaction if you introduce alcohol into the system. It makes you nauseous, I think. It therefore works as a deterrent to return to drinking after stopping, but you haven't gotten there yet. Also, ancaprosate, or camparal, serves to regulate body chemistry to alleviate cravings for alcohol. It also makes it easier to refrain from drinking alcohol once you have stopped for a period. Now, there is another medicine called topiramate, that's Topamax. That's an anticonvulsant used for epilepsy that's sometimes used off-label to help people stop drinking. Now, herbal remedies, one herbal remedy that's considered possibly effective even by WebMD is the vine that ate the South, kudzu. Research suggests that heavy drinkers or binge drinkers who take kudzu extract consume less beer when given a chance to drink. But the hard data still isn't there to support it as a cure for alcohol dependence. Other natural remedies include L-glutamine. L-glutamine is an amino acid that the body naturally produces. Excessive amounts of alcohol can inhibit how L-glutamine is synthesized and absorbed into the body. Adding it back in while trying to stop drinking can help regulate body chemistry and can aid in managing cravings as well as lifting moods. Regular bouts of heavy drinking can deplete the body of thiamine, a B vitamin, which can result in anemia and leave a person feeling fatigued, weak, depressed, and unfocused. Taking a B vitamin complex can aid in diminishing cravings, increasing energy, and maybe focus. All of these need to be taken while being monitored by a qualified health professional. Now, having said all that, your first goal is cutting back on your drinking. These recommendations are from the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, and they suggest the following steps. Put it in writing. Make a list of the reasons why you should cut back on your drinking, such as feeling healthier, sleeping better, improving your relationships. Seeing what the benefits are in writing can actually motivate you. Set a goal. Set a limit on how much you're going to drink. The recommended guidelines are no more than one standard drink per day for women as well as men 65 and older, and no more than two per day for men under 65. Your doctor can help you determine what's a good first step for you. Keep a diary of your drinking. For three to four weeks, keep track of every time you have a drink. Include information about what and how much you drank, as well as where you were. It's good to know what these patterns are, and having to write it down sometimes may get you to skip a drink or two. Don't keep alcohol in your house. Now, that's going to be a tough one, but having no alcohol at home is an obvious way to limit your drinking. It means you have to go somewhere else to drink, and sometimes it might just not be worth it to you. 
Drink slowly. Now, if you're going to drink, sip your drink. Drink a big glass of water maybe before having another alcoholic drink and never drink on an empty stomach. So these are things that are pretty important to do. Now, once you get a little further along, you might consider picking an alcohol-free day. See how you feel physically and emotionally without alcohol in your life for a day. That's after you've cut down for a while. One thing I think you really need to watch for is peer pressure. There are people that are going to offer you drinks, so you have to practice ways to say no politely. You don't have to drink just because others are, and you shouldn't feel obligated to accept every drink that you're offered. It may be tough, but stay away from people who encourage you to drink. you got to steer clear of not only that, but people in places that make you want to drink. If you associate drinking with certain events, like holidays or vacations, develop a plan for managing them in advance. Monitor your feelings when you're worried, lonely, or angry. Are you tempted to reach for a drink? You want to try to cultivate new healthy ways to cope with that kind of stress. So in other words, you want to figure out ways to keep busy. You want to take a walk every day, go to the library. You can have the place all to yourself, probably. You want to consider maybe volunteer work or maybe find a new hobby or maybe revisit an old one. Okay, I'll admit that not all of these steps may work for you, but some of them might. And what do you have to lose? And don't be afraid to ask for support. Cutting down on your drinking is tough, but be persistent. Most people who successfully cut down or stop drinking altogether do so only after several attempts. You probably will have setbacks. That's okay. Don't let them keep you from reaching your long-term goal. It's an ongoing effort, and I'm rooting for you. This is Joe Alden, MD, that old Dr. Bones, wishing you the best of health and good times or bad. Thanks for listening. Hey, please consider supporting our mission by getting some of the quality medical kits, individual supplies, and personal protection gear available at store.doomandbloom.net. Thanks. That's all we have for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Survival Medicine Podcast. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week.